<clears throat> good morning, good morning. I'm excited to have special guests Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter from the law firm Bland & Richter LLP on the show today. Eric lives by 12 principles that have carried him through every element of success. Ronnie is an expert at understanding human behavior and believes that the systems aren't broken. They are simply a reflection of our human nature and we have to approach things understanding this. We will dive into how much control people have over their own lives and outcomes and their ability to help others regardless of their circumstances. Both Eric and Ronnie have been recognized by Dateline, CNN, The Today Show, and People Magazine. Have a listen. Welcome to your Hidden Edge podcast, where there's a belief that each and every one of us has a hidden edge, one that could unlock that next level of success in any area of life. Unfortunately, that edge is hidden tucked away and buried deep underneath layers and layers. In this podcast, we'll uncover the hidden edge of high-performance leaders, executives, athletes, coaches, and authors to open your mind and stretch your frame of reality. If you know you want more, can do more, and be more, then this is the right podcast for you. Let's uncover your hidden edge. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited to have Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter on your Hidden Edge podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good morning. So morning, let's Jeff. dive right in. Let's dive right into your Hidden Edge. And I know you guys both shared. It's how much control people have over their own lives and outcomes and their ability to help others. I'd love to dive into that because especially in today's world, society, depression at all-time highs, anxiety at all-time highs, stress at all-time highs. I feel like so many people are kind of punting that control, but yet they have it. So, Eric, I'll kind of pass the mic to you to comment on that hidden edge. Well, I've always uh, believed in I have 12 principles of life, and the first is you have to be organized. So in order to tackle what you have to do every day, you have to be organized. You, you then have to take that organization and put it into a sense of urgency. So for me, I knew I, I could always sell myself, but without being organized and, and, and figuring out what is it that I want and how I'm going to get there, um, I was never going to be able to achieve it. So I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew that if I had the ability to get in a room, I could sell myself. So I, I'm dedicated to these principles. You know, I work out early in the morning. I'm, I'm a slave to routine a routine that works for me. Um, but it all starts with, for me, being organized. I have to have my days, my weeks, my long-term goals, and my year planned out in advance. I'm, I'm extremely, extremely structured. And I think if, you know, if you're going to be that person to fit 50 pounds of crap in a 25-pound bag every day, you have to be organized. You know, I'm not a creative person. I'm not in an artistic business where I let the creativity flow. It has to be regimented. And so for me, it all starts with organization and making sure I have that sense of urgency, being quick, but not in a hurry. And for me, it's always been my mouth. My mouth is my weapon. Uh, my words are my currency. Ronnie, the reason we have such a great partnership is he has an incredibly intuitive mind, very intellectual. And so when you match up Ronnie's mind with my mouth, you, you have a cyborg. And so that's kind of what we are as a partnership. 
Gotcha. Appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing. Ronnie, what about you? What is, what is that statement as far as how much control people have over their own lives, their outcomes and ability to help others mean to you and how do you apply it? Yeah, for me, uh, I'm the son of a pipe fitter from Charleston Naval Shipyard. Um, my dad was a pipe fitter. His dad was a pipe fitter. Um, I quit college after one semester to become a pipe fitter. It took me about three years to go back to school. But that what was Im- imprinted on me growing up was the fact that my dad worked. So he was the first one up in the morning. He was gone before we were going to school. He was the last one home at night. And I mean, he is truly from the uh, just shut up and work generation. So if there's if there's an ethic that he instilled in me, and I didn't know it at the time, was that you're, you're supposed to get up and you're supposed to go to work. And I'm now 56 years old. I've achieved some success in my life. I could coast it in a little bit if I wanted to, but still my body clock is set at 530. I mean, the day starts with getting up and getting at it. And I thank my dad for that. So the, the other uh, kind of lasting imprint um, that, that he instilled in me was he shared with me the game of golf when I was very young. He was a good amateur player. We played at the local Muni. Um, but what, what golf has taught me is that in life, the only thing that you can ever control, the only thing that you can ever do is just hit the next shot. And so we find ourselves from time to time just lost. You know, what are we to do next? And, and we, we all do a little paralysis by analysis. And you worry about what the outcome is going to be, how other people are going to be affected, when the truth of the matter is all you can ever do is just hit the next shot. So I'd say for me, my guiding principles are just shut up and work. And whatever that next shot is, just hit it and trust it. You know, uh, Jeff, one of the things that Ronnie are really good at, Ronnie and I are good at, is making decisions. I find that people have a real tough time in making decisions. And we've always said we'd rather be strong and wrong than weak and right. Because if you're strong and wrong and you're making decisions, nine times out of ten, you're making the right decisions. And even if you make a wrong decision, you usually can work your way out of it. And I found out that that leaders have a great ability to make those tough decisions. And one of my principles that I always try to teach my kids is be mean when it counts, tough when necessary. You have to make those tough decisions in life that may alienate friends or make you unpopular, whether it's in your profession, at your church or whatever. But you have to have guiding principles that enable you to make decisions. People, like Ronnie said, paralysis by analysis. One of Ronnie's favorite statement is, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You can make good decisions your whole life that'll be perfect. But people labor and they get hung up on, I have to make the perfect decision. If you make decisions, the more you can make them, the more you're going to be right in those decisions. It's when you're passive or when you're tentative that you make a decision that ends up being a wrong decision. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I, I want to go back to one thing each of you touched on first, Eric, organization, right? And and being organized. And we live in a chaotic world. If you can control your organization, how you plan your day out, how your office looks, all of these things that add into being productive, I'd love for you to expand right? Like what, what are a couple of things you do organ organizationally? I'm showing allow you right you? now. I've had the same uh, black day timer from the first day I practiced law. Ronnie's grinning because 
we've been all over the country practicing law and I've left it in banks. I've left it in men's bathrooms. I've left it in <laughs> rental cars. And somehow, even on planes, we've managed. And the panic ensues. And the panic ensues and we tracked it down. But I write everything down. Okay. Jeff, I, I, I have my whole book in a year in this day timer so that everything I write down, I write down everything I do every day and in one color in, in blue pen. And okay. then in pencil, I write down what I want to do every day. And I check that off. And when I tell you, I write down everything I do, it's not down to the detail of when I go to the bathroom, but I write down what my workouts are. I write down, um, thank you notes that I want to write or advance notes that I want to write. If you are not organized to have everything written down that you can look at and grab, I'm very tactile. I'm old school. I'm not a guy that writes on a computer typing. I write on a yellow pad. I, and I think it's benefited. It's, it's a way for my memory to work. When I write it down, it becomes imprinted in my memory because I take a picture and I can actually see it where I wrote it on the page. The other thing is organization for me. We're Ronnie and I are one of the rare lawyers that you will ever talk to. We do our own filing. Okay. So we file all basically all of our own papers, whether it's pleadings or it's letters. So that way I know where it is. I can't blame somebody else if I can't find anything. And information is the key. The more information you have, the better uh, you are at making decisions. So I visually can see, hey, I filed that in this folder in in the file. So for me, it's taking responsibility of organization. I don't let my secretary schedule my day. I schedule my day. I do my own filing. I do my own planning. And that way I hold myself accountable. Um, one of the rare things that, that we do as a partnership is we take responsibility. We're not guys that are going to blame a paralegal or a secretary for doing something because we actually do our own scheduling. And if I schedule something on top of Ronnie, you know, it's not blaming the secretary. Ronnie's going to call me on the phone and say, Eric, why did you do that? And I got to be the one to take responsibility. I just think that people who are disorganized and don't have daily, weekly and long term plans um, never going to accomplish their goals. It's just it's just not going to uh, be happening. And for me, you know, I'm an always be selling guy. If I'm talking, I'm selling. And, you know, as the show goes on, I'll tell you the two major things that told me that I know how to sell. One is when I went to uh, get uh, a basketball camp, I got in for free and I'll tell you how I finagled that. And then how I got my first law job is almost by fraud. Uh, but it let me know that if I'm organized and I have my thoughts in a way that I know that I can talk it, I can sell it. So if you're not organized in your life, your brain's not going to be organized. And so your thoughts aren't going to come out in an organizational way. Love it. Love it. And just for the listeners or, or people watching, Eric and I grew up <laughs> a stone's throw away from each other. Yes. We, we found out before, uh, before jumping on the podcast. So, so I appreciate that. Those pieces of organization love the fact that you, you write it down. You, you've got that black book that you're putting everything down. And so many times to your point, if we're not planning for success, there is no way you're going to get there because you're adrift out on the ocean of life and you're just going to float from thing to thing and you're never going to make any progress. So Ronnie, 
I loved how you talked about golf and just hitting that next shot. And I forget what book it was, but it was a mental toughness coach. And he basically was talking about Jack Nicholas and said, Jack Nicholas, every round he anticipated that he would hit six to seven bad shots. But he, in anticipating yeah. that, he would just move on to the next shot, knowing that, okay, that's just one shot. I know it was going to happen, right? We have this false reality that it's going to be perfect to your point. And it's, it's just not going to be. So, you know, what are one or two things where you've applied that, hey, just hit the next shot in your life that you can share or, or how do you leverage that in day to day? Well, I mean, Jeff, that it is day to day, you know, um, you know, the, the whole golf is life philosophy. Um, for those who play the game, I, I know they understand what I mean by that. Um, you know, the, the in golf, you refer to the rub of the green. It's it's the acceptance of the reality that life is not perfect, that that you may play the perfect shot and not get the perfect outcome. But over time, you just have to build that internal trust to know to let it go. And 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 that applies on a day-to-day -day basis with all decision making. You know, do we bring this claim? Do we not bring this claim? Do we do we um, represent this client? Do we not represent this client? And there are so many decision points every day that you can find yourself lost in this and you are looking for the perfect all the time because too too often we find ourselves um i mean consumed by the outcome and and the one thing you have to accept in all decision making is that the thing you cannot control is the outcome right you can control the process you can control the decision but you can't control the outcome and so if you just trust yourself and you let it go that's all you can ever do. And you know, I do want to amplify one thing Eric said about organization because we approach it a little bit differently. For me, I, I feel what's critical is that I be mentally organized, okay. that um, I, I, I reject the idea of multitasking. I, I, I think it's a ridiculous term. I am a serial monotasker. Um, you, you set them up one at a time and knock them down, but you get to, you get to set the order. Um, but if you find yourself in this frenetic world where you're trying to take on everything at one time, that, that is not productive. It's not mentally health, healthy for you. It, it, it's not the path to success. The path to success is, is to take big tasks and break them down into tiny components and then knock them down one at a time. And that's the approach that I have found to be most successful for me. That's how I want to organize myself mentally. So when, it, when approaching a major undertaking, a major task, a major decision, it's imperative that I break it down into the smallest component parts as I can and then take each one of those pieces and do the best I can with it. See how methodical he is? And um, I, I'm kind of the forward observer. He He's the general and I get, you know, sometimes I fly over the hill. For me, it's chaos and discord and tension which makes me operate at my best. I feel that if I, I can operate under those circumstances, I can operate any time. It's, you know, people can operate in a comfort of their office, but when the tension and discord hits, that's when you find out what you're made of. And for me, it was always about, I wanted to be in that situation. I wanted to be the one that's talking. I wanted to be the one that's making the decisions and I can live with it now. Over the 24 years of our partnership, Ronnie's done a good job in helping me 
<clears throat> deal with defeats. That was a hard part, um, a bad outcome. And like Ronnie said, you you will have those. And, you know, I believe in what Theodore Roosevelt is. It's not the critic that counts. It's the man in the arena. Yep. And I can take now nine, 99 no's, Jeff, for that one good yes. You can give me 99 no's and I'll keep plugging along until I get that one good yes. And I think that's what Ronnie has taught me more than anything is to just be able to accept your defeat, get up, dust off and move forward. It's the people that labor over it and fig, try to figure out how it could have been differently. And yeah, you always do your after action plan, AAP, but right. you can get lost in the sauce in that. Sometimes you just have to get up, cut the cord, put a draw black line like you do on a scorecard and say, hey, for the next five holes, I'm just doing it from fresh. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and Ronnie, to your point, multitasking, I call it task switching, right? Where you're just switching from task to task. You, you, there, sure. the science has shown that it takes you like eight to 10 minutes to actually get fully focused. So you're just scattered all over the place. But, you know, some people, Eric, to your point, thrive in it. So you, you both have an interesting dynamic between the two of you that I can see has, has been a tremendous mix from your law practice. I'd love a little backstory. How did you guys connect? How did you guys, you know, come to being a partnership? Because that's something I'm just curious how, how that came about, because obviously I can tell you guys mix very well together. It, um, it was more by happenstance. Um, I was doing some work. I'm a little older than Ronnie. I've been a little, a lawyer, a little longer than Ronnie. And I was doing work with his cousin and Ronnie had just gotten out of law school. And of course, you know, work always gets pushed down. So all the work got pushed to Ronnie that I was doing with this lawyer. And we started to develop a friendship. I mean, he's got a, he's got a great sense of humor. It's incredibly dry. Um, he's a great golfer. We, we gelled with athletics and so we started working together on a daily basis. And uh, the day my son was born, the actual day, we got a jury verdict for $250,000 in Chester County, South Carolina on a medical malpractice case in the 90s, which at the time was one of the largest, if not the largest medical malpractice verdict in that county. And, you know, Ronnie wanted to be a partner. Ronnie at that time was a, turning into a seriously good lawyer really good skilled lawyer that could write, that could talk and do everything that you would want in a lawyer to do. And he wanted to be his own partner. Uh, it didn't work out with the situation that he was in. And we were so close with each other personally um, that we decided to uh, start working cases permanently together as a partnership. And the reason it works is because I'm in one area of the state and Ronnie's in another area of the state and we don't get to see each other as much as we want. And so we yearn to see each other. I don't know if we would have been partners for 24 years, if we would have been in the same office, you know, lawyers have big egos, you know, we've been partners for 24 years, never have fought on money. And, and that's pretty rare where you have lawyers that have been together for 24 years. But as it turned out, he was being dissuaded from becoming a partner with me by other people. And I was being dissuaded from going into partnership with Ronnie because he didn't show allegedly the respect to his cousin on staying with his firm. 
and uh, we were kind of alienated. You know, we okay. have a very small bar, if you can imagine, and some powerful people were kind of counseling us in ways that we found objectionable and repugnant because we feel like we should be able to practice who we want to practice with and we're friends. And um, and so that kind of pushed us to the outside even further, too much from nowhere. And we had a luck of the draw falling into a legal malpractice case. You know, we never set out that we were going to be legal malpractice lawyers. That's okay. not all that we do. We do other catastrophic work. Uh, but we fell in this case and we got a seven figure settlement and we thought it was a one off, you know, that we were never going to have it again. And sure enough, the the same law firm came back and um, we ended up getting a five point five million dollar jury verdict. And, you know, we were off to the races, but we kind of came together because we were two guys that were alone. I mean, isn't that what you would say, Ronnie? Yeah, yeah, Jeff, I, I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but, um, you know, we're, we're here in South Carolina, Eric and I, and um, Eric is pretty openly and obviously not from South Carolina. So, <laughs> you know, when, we, when this partnership started, uh, I'm, I'm very much a South Carolinian, uh, born and raised in Charleston, you know, uh, try to be a Southern gentleman as best I can. So it was an odd fit that you get this brash Philadelphia fighter and this reserved Southern gentleman type and nothing, nothing um, on his face looked like it would work between this partnership. But what we found we had in common uh, were, were common, you know, you know, ethos, common points of view. I mean, a real common background in the fact that we kind of came from nowhere, you know, mm -hmm. we weren't part of this establishment. And so we had this common work ethic and, and common viewpoint of life that uh, really helped us to gel. And then in the courtroom, we just had amazing chemistry because I, I'll, I'll tell anybody, if it's a long trial and you have to listen to me for a long time, it's a hard listen. I'm going to put you to sleep. Okay. But at the, by the same token, if it's a long trial and you have to listen to Eric for a long time, he's going to blast you out of the door. So between the two of us, to bring those two different personalities and perspectives into a jury trial setting, it was it was fantastic chemistry. It still is today. Um, you know, you need more than one tool in the shed. We don't need two Eric's. Uh, there's there's not room. There's not oxygen enough in the room for two Eric's. But you don't need two Ronnies either. So the energy that we both bring from different points of view has been extremely effective in our practice. And, and the fact that we were both kind of pushed outside really just kind of cemented the fact that we were going to be together, you know? No, I, yeah. lo I, I love that fact. And I love the fact that I think Eric, you had mentioned, you know, athletics, golf kind of brought you guys closer. And, and Ronnie, I love how you touched on similar values, ethos, kind of this operating system. And, and so many times, I've seen out there and, and even in the coaching space that I'm in one person's up here, the other's down there. It's not going to be a good mix. If you, you can't connect on your ideas, your values, your virtues, your passion, your energy. So, you know, as you guys discovered this, was there a single point where you said, you know what, we need to, we need to be working together. Like this is your, your good was, mix to what I have is, is there, is there a single point yeah. that, that kind of, like it, it really, I think the the seminal moment was that jury verdict that okay. we had on the day that my son was born. We just, we were um, hand and gloving it throughout the whole trial. You know, 
everybody always wondered why did why do both of you try a case? Why doesn't one of you try a case? Mm-hmm. We've tried all our cases together because you could tell immediately whether the jury or a witness is buying into me and Ronnie will look at me and say, sit down, I'll take this witness or, hey, you better take this witness. This is a better fit. So we we recognized that, you know, we had this synergy, this this connection. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, Ronnie. And- now, now, to be clear, we, now, Eric, we, we were sent to lose that trial. I mean, that to be clear that the trial that we were sent to trial yeah. was was the dregs of a case that had largely settled. This was the piece that did not settle. Yeah. Right. There was no value left in it. And so let's send Eric and Ronnie and they can go, they can go play. And we smoked it. So we had great chemistry. We killed it in a case where we were really sent to die. Yeah. For me, Jeff, I'm the kind of guy, I mean, I'm a steel barbell guy. I, I, every day I lift a lot of barbell. I'm 60 years old. I still can bench over 300 pounds. I squat over 400. I deadlift over 400. I can box jump 40 inches. So for me, I'm a steel guy. I'm a guy that just slaved a routine. I'm not new age fitness. I'm just old bang barbell kind of guy. And a guy that loves to live close to the flame. For me, again, it's tension and discord. It's close to the edge. And Ronnie is such a great partner for me because he has a lasso on his waist at all times, ready to pull me back because I would possibly not be a lawyer today because so many different times my mouth is my greatest weapon and it's also my greatest detriment. Um, And he's pulled me back. But by the same token, I've pulled Ronnie closer to the, to the edge. So he brings out the best in me and I think I can bring out the best in him. And it's that competitiveness um, that, that both of us have not to beat each other, but to, be the best and bring out the best in each other. Yeah, no, I, I love that point. Yeah, I would, as I far as I, I, go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, I would describe it as you know, Eric has probably pulled us to the tops of hilltops that I otherwise I otherwise would not have seen. But at the same time, I've kept us from going over those edges. So together, that works pretty well. No, ab- absolutely, and I think that's a that's a great point to kind of wrap up with is. You know, in your relationships and your business connections, if you're a business owner and you're thinking about bringing somebody in, think about this dynamic that you've just heard throughout this podcast between Eric and Ronnie. I think it's so critical that you you look at those pieces and make sure they they fit. And if you had two Eric's to your point, you might not be where you're at. And Ronnie, to your point, you might not have taken you know, those steps to climb the highest mountains. So Eric and Ronnie, I, I appreciate you both being yeah, on the, would, uh, being on the one, show. I want to say one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. I find that leaders look at it as a sign of weakness, whether the, when they seek advice from other leaders or they talk about things with other, you know, true leaders think that they have to have every original idea and that they can only come from their brain. I think that good leaders and people that are successful talk about their vulnerabilities to others, get get a, an opinion on something and use it in your formulation and analysis project. I don't think it's a process. I don't think it's a sign of weakness when you consult with others. I think that's what we're supposed to do because God gave us two ears and one mouth. 
So we need to listen more and then process, and then our mouth can use what we, what came in intake. Yep. So, so true. Gentlemen, thank you for, uh, for being on the show. Where can people find you if they want to look you up? We are uh, Bland Richter, www.blandrichter.com. We're in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, in Charleston, South Carolina. You can call us on our cell phone. Uh, mine's 803-600-7476. Ronnie's is 803-834-2130. We're guys that are accessible 24 hours a day because we're in the service business. So we don't, we don't keep doctor's hours or banker's hours. We keep all day hours. Gotcha. Ronnie, Eric, thank you for being on the show. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to your Hidden Edge podcast. You are now part of the movement part of a tribe who's on a mission to uncover their hidden edge. We are stronger together. So please share this. Show up with one person in your network that you want to help. Together, we can empower others and connected, we can make a dent in the universe.